With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and before we uh, start talking about Buffs football stuff, uh, which I'm pretty excited about, today we're going to be talking about how I would game plan if I were an opposing coach trying to beat Colorado. And I don't know, I think I think it could be interesting. Or, you know what, it could flop too, but that's the fun of this show is we don't always know where it's going. Um, but before we get into that, there are some more important things to talk about. And a pretty strong buffs angle. Um, I'm sure you guys all kind of know where we're going here. Um, we haven't talked much on this podcast about George Floyd's killing um, but it is important to address it, um, especially because Katie Nixon addressed it, and I think he handled it very, very well. Um, I was really impressed. You know, um, we, we talked about him yesterday on the show and how he is one of those personalities on the team that I think can be seen incorrectly just because th- there is so much depth to who he is as a person and you know it's it's very easy to see the superstar nixon uh twitter handle and you know think that he is kind of that diva type and so the fact that he was talking the pac-12 networks probably as we were uh talking about him on the show yesterday about the killing of george floyd uh it's pretty ironic but i think it's a great opportunity for those of you who haven't spent much time with katie or haven't heard him speak all that much um to tune in and hear what he has to say um because it is relevant and like i said it's just so impressive His, his message essentially was we need to love each other we need to treat each other with respect and if if you start going into every interaction by saying you know what i'm going to tell this person how much i appreciate them i'm going to talk to them about positive things i'm not just going to call them out when they make mistakes Uh, a a lot of those types of things he, he says that it just builds and grows and continues and he said it much better than i was able to paraphrase it so definitely check that out and you can find it on youtube the pac 12 networks um I think it's like a minute and a half, two minute video uh, that that they put on YouTube this morning. 
and uh, I also tweeted it out. I tweeted out the link. I didn't screen grab it or whatever just because of the whole copyright, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed. You know, this is a tough time for a lot of people, and um, it's it's a it's a time when people can show leadership and and really step to the forefront of this conversation and share their thoughts and you know we've we've talked a lot about how this is really a time for a lot of us to listen um you know everybody to listen just to hear what other people's experiences are like and as a reminder that we aren't all walking in the same shoes and sometimes our shoes aren't all that similar to the people around us and it is really important to do that again i cannot recommend enough that you go back and listen to what katie had to say um just a message of love and unity and treating each other with respect. And I think that that really is the, the bare bones message that is trying to be sent right now. Obviously there's some more specific details about the situations, um, the, the police brutality that is still ongoing in the United States. But again, just want to recommend that you guys go listen to that because it, it is a time to listen to people who understand what it is like to be a black person, a black man, and especially a young black man. You know, KD just turned 21 a couple months ago, and coming from Texas to Boulder, Colorado, he has a perspective that's unlike the perspective that a lot of us who follow the buffs have. And I think that if you, like a lot of us, are realizing that we do need to be listening more Then I think that this would be a, a good first step, a good person to listen to, um, because he is somebody who means a lot to all of us in, in different ways, uh, b- because we do care so much about the university of Colorado or the buffs or, you know, for, for me uh, having spent time with him, you know, I, I do care about him as a person, just like I care about a lot of those guys in those locker rooms who I've, I've had the privilege of spending some time with, um, you know, for me, going into that locker room, um, well, not literally into it, but standing outside it and interviewing the players who are in it, it's it's a it's a different experience. Um, I, I've said a lot that I'm in Montana, but the specific county that I grew up in, you know, I, I lived up in the northeast corner of it, and we were bound on one side by a national park. We were bound uh, um, to the north above us by Canada. And so we're really in just like this deepest corner of this county that's very large. And it is 97% white. It's 2% Native American Indian. And it's 1% everything else. There isn't a lot of diversity. I wasn't exposed to a lot of different cultures growing up. You know, the, there were black students in my schools at various points throughout my time in elementary school and high school, but not consistently. Um, and so to, to come down here, you know, it, it is a bit of an awakening. You know, it's not that I wasn't aware that there were problems, but, you know, they all feel so distant when you see them on social media, um, when you hear about them happening hundreds of miles away. But to, to be able to spend time around the this specific group of people is something that i've been very lucky to experience you know before the bye week i remember waiting outside the gates of a practice and uh just hanging out waiting for whoever i was trying to interview and you know there are a couple players who were out there waiting as well to be interviewed and so when that happens we chat 
Um, I'm not going to say who it is because this is not a conversation that was meant to be reported, but I asked, what are you going to do for the bye week? You're going to take some time off to that kind of stuff. And I was told, no, I'm going back home because my cousin was shot and killed and I wasn't able to go to the funeral because we had a game last week. And so I need to be down there this weekend now that we have it off to spend some time with my family. And there was another cousin who is still in the hospital. And, and that's just something that I really could not relate to less coming from my background. And so for me to be able to have the privilege of spending time with young people my age who come from all sorts of different backgrounds, some from very similar backgrounds to mine, is something that I've been lucky to do. And I wish that everybody could go through this process that I've been able to go through for the, first, for the last nine months or as long as it's been, because there are so many bright, young men who are in that locker room and young men and women who work around this program who all come from different backgrounds and when you meet these people and talk to these people there's no correlation between black and white or any other race and being somebody who's uh, smart or capable or dedicated or really i mean anything any adjective that you want to throw in there and it's just so nice to be able to go into those locker rooms and see that and, and see the diversity and see all these people who get along regardless of where they come from or what they look like. And, you know, that's the, that's the life of people who work in sports. And I know that a lot of us see the world differently because we do have access to so many people of so many different backgrounds. And I think that that's sometimes why it gets so frustrating to see people who grew up the way I grew up, but see the world differently than how I see the world. And I've, I've had those conversations with a bunch of people in my life um, and a lot more of them recently. And that's what's so important. Even in the last couple of days, talking to people about things like race that I would never have considered talking about before. But I, I think back to some with my grandparents, you know, my grandfather passed away a couple months ago. And I remember a conversation that I had with him pretty shortly after that conversation I had with the player about family members being killed in gun violence and not being able to be down there for the funeral, being thousands of miles away because that's what you worked for. That was your path to an education. And to be able to share those experiences and talk about those experiences with my grandfather, with those aren't the stories that he has ever heard because he he had a tough upbringing. But again, he grew up in that same county. He's lived his whole life or he lived his whole life within a few miles of the same spot up there where it is very white. And that isn't the sort of story that he's ever heard before, because when you turn on the news and specifically the news that my grandparents watch watched, it's sometimes doesn't paint the right picture. A lot of the time doesn't paint the right picture. And I, I'm just so glad that I've been able to see people stand up for what they believe in because that kind of is what this whole thing is about. It's just kind of time to, to do your part and say, hey, this, this isn't going to work here anymore because we all know it's wrong and we're just going to push those people who don't agree that racism is a problem out um you know for me in particular living right here just three blocks away from the capitol building while these protests are happening where 
the the windows are all boarded out down below there's graffiti on all the boards the windows have been broken out in some places where they haven't been boarded up um there are protesters marching around i i got tear gassed not something i ever thought would happen to me but i got tear gassed on saturday and you know i i actually was just out there out of curiosity more than anything i just early in the afternoon wanted to go sit at the courthouse and watch what was going on watch these people and you know i was surprised by what i saw because with all the reports coming out of the violence and the foam bullets and the tear gas and all that stuff what's missing is the positivity that's out there in that park all day everybody just talking and listening and being positive and more than anything again just doing what they think is right because if everybody just does that, then sure, some people are going to be off, but you're going to be in a much better place than the place that we've been in for so long here. Um, now, I think that's all I have to say. And I know that this is a podcast where we try to stay away from the real topics and kind of just joke around and talk sports and do that kind of stuff. But when something like this happens and it's so close to home and it it, it means so much to so many people, um, and people who we care about and people who give me a job, you know, if if Katie Nixon and the rest of his black teammates aren't up there in Boulder, I don't have a job covering Colorado football uh, and, and there isn't anything for Buffs fans to watch. And so I think it is important here and everywhere else to address it and just remind people that everybody is a person and that we shouldn't forget that or argue that or get caught up in the politics of it or caught up trying to dig ourselves in and just just be open-minded and don't be combative and just listen more than anything just listen okay uh off the pedestal now we're going to talk about how to do game plan against the buffs which is Oh, just one more time before we go. Listen to what Katie had to say. Just listen to what Katie had to say. Um, that's after all he's done for the buffs who we all care so much about. It's the least we could do for him. Um, again, go to YouTube. It's on the Pac-12 Network's page. You can just search like Katie Nixon. It's the first video that pops up. It was just posted this morning. Uh, I also put a link on Twitter if you want to go to my Twitter page. But I feel weird promoting my Twitter on these shows. Uh, so... Yeah, let's talk. Um, how would you try to stop the Buffs offense? Not going to lie, it feels a little bit trivial right now, but here we are. Um, so a lot of it depends, and that's where you got to start because we don't know what this offensive line is going to look like. We don't know what these receivers are going to look like. We don't know who the tight end is. Well, it's Brady Russell, but we don't know if they're going two tight ends and who that second tight end is. Uh, what's the combination of running backs? What's the combination of quarterbacks? But here's where I would start if I'm a defensive coordinator. Let's just say we're Colorado State Rams defensive coordinator as much as we would hate to be that. Um, week one, starting the tape study. Here's what I came up with. You want to stop the run first. You want to force Colorado to beat you with the passing game. That 
is going to be what Colorado is up against at least these first few weeks of the season until they can prove that the passing game can win games. And I say the first few weeks because they could go out there and throw the ball well against Colorado State, go out there, throw the ball well against Fresno State, and then when they go into Texas A&M in week three of the season, I think that the SEC team is going to say, sure, they did against Mountain West teams. Let's see them beat SEC cornerbacks, and uh, then we can make an adjustment if we have to adjust. That's how I see it. Um, What I'm also doing is throwing some zone coverage out there. I'm getting as complicated as I can on the back end, um, trying to confuse the quarterbacks, have people move around, lots of movement before the snap, make Tyler Lytle or Brendan Lewis see what's going on and adjust to it. Um, Force them to make those sorts of decisions before the snap because that's what you want to do if you're a, a, a defense playing a young quarterback an inexperienced quarterback that's make them make more decisions than they'd usually have to uh so again it's stopping the running game loading the box because when you look at the buffs receivers you know, I think as Buffs fans, we really like what we see because if Katie Nixon's out there on the field, we say, okay, he, he can do quite a few things for this offense. If uh, Dimitri Stanley's out there on the field, you say something similar, like, oh, it's another young, exciting guy who produced well for a freshman last year, and he's probably ready to take a step. Um, you look at Daniel Arias and say, what a physical, big-bodied receiver to have to match up against, to have to try to stop. You know, uh, for Daniel Arias, it really does look like it's kind of on him whether he gets the ball or not. Like if, if somebody throws a ball up high, he's either going to go get it or he isn't because he just wins those physical matchups. Um, and then beyond that, Jalen Jackson with the speed, um, somebody who's been hampered by injuries but has produced when he's been on the field the couple of opportunities that he's had, um, and then the potential behind him with Brendan Rice and uh, Vontae Chenault and all these guys. That's why Buffs fans would say that's a big strength. But... If you look at it from the other side, those are a lot of question marks. Outside of Katie Nixon, who again is not necessarily a gadget guy, but will likely be used in a lot of those roles, those manufactured touches. Um, It'd be kind of a waste to just be sending Katie straight downfield on streaks trying to stretch the defense because your options underneath are unproven. Um, And so I think that's why Katie is going to have to play a lot more of a slot receiver role to help out these quarterbacks, get them some easy, short completions because he's the guy who you can trust to create those. And so if he's not going downfield, that means your corners on the other side can kind of sit in on a little bit, um, especially if you have safety help over top, all that kind of stuff. Um, but outside of that, you know, Dimitri Stanley, he's fast. And if you line up, press outside, he might get by you make Tyler Lytle, Brendan Lewis make that throw. Focus on cutting off everything short, everything within, everything on this side of the first down marker and and make these quarterbacks throw the ball to the sticks Um, or even further if you can. And by doing that, you take away the running game Um, by keeping, not only by loading the box, but by closing in the coverage in short um, inside the sticks you know a lot of cover two, get five guys spread across the sticks and two guys deep to help with anything else out behind them Um, you have a bunch of run support Um, and this offensive line for the buffs could be very good you know wherever William Sherman lines up whether that's left tackle or right tackle 
that's a matchup that he is going to be winning um, nine times out of ten. You know, sure, there's the Kayvon Thibodeaux out there with Oregon and some other good pass rushers all around the conf- conference, but he's the type of player who should still be winning at least half those battles against the very best um, D linemen in this league. Um, so, so there's where you start. You have that win right there, plus you're likely doubling at the point of attack. You know, that's why a lot of the time you'll hear coaches say, well, you, you want to go right at their best run defender because that's where that double team is going to be. And so you, you should, even if it's their best defensive lineman, you should still win if it's two on one and then you have one on ones with the other spots. Um, that's why if you load the box, you turn those all into one-on-ones and somebody might win that matchup. Um, and again, this running game is what's going to be scaring teams. And and for a bunch of reasons, you know, Alex Fontenot has proven that he can be a very good running back in this league. Um, whether he can be an every down back, I, I think is still to be seen. You know, you, you want to see him clean it up a bit in pass coverage. You want to be able to see him get out of the backfield and catch a couple more balls than he did before. Uh, if he had just a little more top-end speed, that'd be nice. If he was just a little bit stronger to run through a couple more tackles, um, I, I think that'd be nice. But what you have right now is a, a very good running back um, in the Pac-12 who should be a, at least a, a very important part of the stable. And then you bring in Ashad Clayton, who has more of that... more of that number one bell cow type of build um he's he's a guy who can run physically he can run quickly and and the the question with him is kind of i think that i think it's twofold and and honestly kind of similar to Fontenot, even though they are different styles of backs and at least the way they look when they run um clayton is more of his head down um, run through contact, find arm tackles almost, and run through them. Whereas Fontenot is bouncy, kind of rolling off of guys, um, sitting upright a little bit more, looking ahead a little more. It's not that Deshaun Clayton has bad vision, it's just that he seems to be like lowering his pads, running behind his pads, instead of trying to bounce past guys. Um, but the question for Clayton is, does that ability to run through arm tackles translate or does he need to spend a year in a college strength program to be able to do that? Or can he outrun a defense? What does Ashad Clayton running next to Paulson Adebo, who I think is the best cornerback in the Pac-12 this season, who's faster? That's the kind of thing that you just have to sort out on the field. Does he have breakaway speed? Does he have that upside? And then Jaron Mangum, a guy who's just a big, powerful guy. And when you have that combination, any one of those guys could be the Buffs' best option in any given week, I think. And and I think that with Carl Durrell coming from that West Coast background, that's probably how he's going to see it. It's running back by committee uh, for the first three drives, and then it's going to be pretty heavily weighted toward the guy who's finding the most success against this defense. And that means that typically one of those guys is going to be pretty successful running the ball. And that's why defenses are just going to load the box, try to stuff everything and force these quarterbacks to make plays with their arms, make plays downfield in particular. Um, before we talk about defense, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. 
And that is an incredible company that makes incredible beer. If you want to try them, you can check them out at the DMVR bar, of course, or at uh, Davidson's uh, Beer, Wine, and Spirits down south of Denver. Um, or you can use the Breckenridge Brewery Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website to see all of the places where you can buy Breckenridge beers near you, uh, grocery stores, liquor stores, gas stations, um, or, you know, if you're actually out in Littleton, then maybe the best option would be to go to Breckenridge Brewery itself, and if you do that, you can pick up some food, uh, it's incredible food that you'll find at the farmhouse. They still are doing the curbside pickup, the delivery. Check them out. It, it's good stuff. If you use the code DNVR, you get $5 off your meal. Can't recommend them enough. Okay. Um, defense. Now, when the buffs are on the defensive side of the ball, how do you attack that? And um, this, is, this is a tougher question um, because that turned into a very good defensive group last year. And it's going to be tougher to move the ball on the Buffs' defense than it will be to stop the Buffs' offense moving the ball most likely this season. When you look at the Buffs' defense, you see strength pretty much anywhere. But I think that there are probably two ways... Yeah, let's call it two. Uh, the, the first thing you want to do is test this defensive line. Um, now that Antonio Alfano is gone and... Uh, that's too bad, <laughs> but kind of expected at this point. Um, I do like the rest of the Buffs defensive line. There's a bunch of potential all over it. Um, there were some flashes last year, but when you look at that defensive line, you see Mustafa Johnson, and that's what really scares you. Outside of that, similar to these receivers on the offensive side of the ball, there are guys who, like I said, have played well, who look like they're ready to be good Pac-12 players this year, but you have to make them do that before you give them any sort of respect as an offensive play caller. Uh, what I would do is try to isolate Mustafa in the read option game in particular. And how that works is, so when you're running the read option, either typically either the quarterback is handing the ball off to the running back and the running back is running like an inside zone run kind of up the middle, finding the hole somewhere between the guards. Um, or the quarterback is pulling the handoff and running the ball around the edge. And that decision is based on what the defensive end does. So in this case, that defensive end is left unblocked and that's Mustafa Johnson. He's totally ignored. And if he commits to the running back, then the quarterback pulls the ball. If he commits the quarterback, then the quarterback gives the running back the ball. And either way, Mustafa Johnson, the Buffs' best player is taken out of the play. The best, is he the best player? I think he's ripe in that conversation with Nate. Um, yeah. I guess, I guess he probably is. Yeah, Mustafa and Nate right there. Um, but that is really one of the staples of my game plan is taking out Mustafa using these read options. It, obviously, that works a lot better if you have a mobile quarterback. Um, those mobile quarterbacks, I think, could give Colorado some problems for a couple of reasons. That's, that's the first one that you can... When, when the buffs are built in a way that has one defensive lineman who stands above the rest you can isolate him take him out of the play or you can do what we were talking about with the offense 
run the ball at him, double team him, single everybody else. And if you're consistently losing another matchup, then you got to try something else. But that's a starting point, at least. Um, the other reason that mobile quarterbacks give the buffs problems is that you're oftentimes leaving a spy on him, which takes one more player out of coverage or one more pass rusher out. And when you do that, when you take a player out of coverage, typically it's a linebacker. So at that second level, of the defense, um, you know, if we're playing a cover two, you typically have five guys spread across there. Instead, if one's a spy, you only have four guys spread across the sticks or wherever they're lined up, depending on the situation. With a linebacker like Nate Landman, who has struggled in coverage, um, and the question marks next to him, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's John Van Deest, um, Marvin Ham, who's a, a young guy, uh, the bigger those zones are for those linebackers, the more they're going to struggle. And I, I think, like I've said before, Nate's going to take a big step this year. I think that he was asked to do a lot more because the zones in the Mel Tucker defense, essentially, um, are bigger for the linebackers. There are more responsibilities. I do think he'll get better in coverage. That doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be a plus cover linebacker this year. Um, and if I'm game planning against this defense... That's one of the things I want to check on. What is Nate Landman in coverage? That's one of the questions that I want to answer if, if I'm scripting the first 15, 20 plays. I want to see what happens. Can, can I win when I'm taking Mustafa out with the read option? Um, can I take Mustafa out by running the ball at him? And, or will other people win their matchups, other defenders? And then what is Nate Landman in coverage? Those are kind of the key pieces. And when there's a spy, again, those zones get bigger. Um, I also would try to stretch the field vertically as much as possible. Um, and again, do you have a quarterback who's capable of that? Big question that would kind of change your focus here. But I think that, first of all, you look at these corners and say they look good, but they're still very young. Um, the safeties are question marks. I think that that's where you really test the defense as well. And if, if you are trying to run the ball, you're trying to take Nate Landman out of that running game. You're trying to force him into coverage, and, and that's a way to do it. Um, so you, you test those corners deep because not only are you testing the corners, that's also going to shift the coverage back a little bit. Instead of playing cover two, you might see more cover three or cover four. Um, which would limit the number of players if we're calling the first level of the defensive line, the second linebacker, maybe the linebackers um, on that plane and the corners sometime depending and the safeties behind them and sometimes the corners are dropping back there too is the third level. Then that second level of defense is pretty thin. If you're playing cover four, really it's three guys across there um, and that means those zones are a lot bigger. You're forcing these linebackers to cover more space. Um, you're also, if, if you're an offensive coordinator, you're trying to get those one-on-ones with, with whoever the inside linebackers end up being. Uh, Nate Lamb in one spot and then whoever gets the other spot. Um, just because there are a lot of questions about what they can do with coverage. Um, I also want to add that for all those cornerbacks did last year, you know, one of the complaints with KJ Trujillo was that he couldn't quite make the play on the ball consistently. He, he could sometimes, and he was very good, and I think this is an area we'll take a step. He was very good in general just as a cornerback, uh, even if you take out the part where he's in his first year. But it, it seemed like there were times where he would be 
right next to a receiver. He'd be stuck to him the whole way, but just couldn't get the ball away from him. And part of that's that he was 165 pounds. Part of it is that he hasn't spent a full year working with college coaches on that sort of technique. Um, and so I think that that probably improves, but you you gotta you gotta test it. You gotta make sure it did improve if you're an offensive coordinator trying to game plan. And that's one more reason to test these corners. So really, that's what I'm doing with you know if you're scripting the first 15 plays uh, as an offense, which is pretty typical, then I would try those read options where you're isolating Mustafa Johnson. I would try running at Mustafa with those double teams on him, and I would try stretching the field deep. And then also keeping an eye on what happens when these linebackers are in one-on-one coverage, which is pretty rare in this defense because it is very zone heavy. But if you can find those man situations, there's a chance that you could exploit them. You got to try. I thought, I don't know. I kind of like was looking this morning. Well, Well, what I do when I'm recording these podcasts, now I have a TV set up in my... I call it my office, but it's actually my bedroom, I guess. Um, but I have the TV set up so I can watch that. So I can turn on, you know, I'm watching the Pac-12 championship game from this year right now. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun to do like a series where we're breaking down the game or how you'd game plan against all these teams? And I do think that that's the plan. We still have three months to fill before the season starts, though. So who knows when we're going to get to that? Um, and I was like, well, why not just scout the buffs? And so, yeah, that's what we did. Uh, so... If you guys have any different thoughts about how you would attack the buffs, I'd be really curious about what specifically those are. Um, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. Uh, tomorrow will be the DraftKings pick of the week. We had to move things around because Ben was here yesterday. And not that I don't like his betting advice. I just think that there are other things that we could talk about. Um, so yeah, I'll be back then. If you guys have any questions or anything, as always, you know how to reach me. Um, if you guys are going to the protests and stuff, uh, stay safe. And also, like I said, I only live a few blocks away. So if things do get dangerous, um, I haven't been doing a good job at checking the Twitter DMs like the from people I don't follow, um, which isn't a whole lot of you, I don't think. But uh, I will be paying attention. So if you're stuck out there and need somewhere to go, I will be right here on my couch watching football Ooh, looks like i'm watching the national championship game next i might have to change that um but yeah that's gonna do it for today i'll be back tomorrow like i said uh, appreciate you all stay safe out there um be good people as best you can and uh we'll talk tomorrow i think they like my colorado sway cause when i'm in it play i don't really i don't really know just how to act and when i'm in it go you know i'm acting bad My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag is pushing 180. Speeding past competition, see you later, baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Hey, you on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it
back in the middle of the ring. ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. They like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like